from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. On this episode of Newt's World... A couple of months ago, I was struck by an article I read by Brian Wong entitled China's Myanmar Quagmire. In it, he talks about the February 1st coup in Myanmar. I wanted to look more closely at Myanmar. Brian Wong, the author of the article I mentioned, introduced me to YY Nu, a Rohingya Burmese activist. Nu was an outspoken advocate for the rights and equality of all people in Myanmar. She was imprisoned for seven years due to her father's political views. Her story of courage and activism is remarkable. She currently serves as the executive director of the Women's Peace Network in Myanmar. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Waiwai Nu. Some of our listeners will still remember the country of Myanmar is Burma. That's the name they grew up with. But it was changed by the Burmese government, and it's now called Myanmar. So don't be too confused. It's that pretty large country just southeast of India and due south of China. Why why new? Welcome. Thank you for joining me. I want to start with your personal story because it's so powerful and it's such a model for other people. Could you talk just for a couple minutes about growing up in Myanmar, your father's role in government, and how you ended up with your family in prison? Sure, it's an honor to be here. So I was born in western part of Rakhine, Myanmar, in Rakhine State, as a member of Rohingya, 
where you know majority of Rohingya live resides in Myanmar. So I was born there. I grew up in Rakhine State until like I was nine, and it was in early nineties. There were you know repressions around my communities, and I somehow witnessed some of those repressions, which were not as severe as today. Then we moved to Yangon mainly due to my father's political activism. He was an elected parliamentarian in 1990 elections, and he was chased by the police and military in those days. And he was actually locked up for about a month, and he was released later. However, there has been government meetings and other activities ongoing in the capital city in Yangon. So. My father decided to move from Rakhine to Yangon, so basically, majority of my childhood, I spent in Yangon. He's an instrumental part of my life and who I am today. Growing up with him, being very close to him, and seeing you know what he does all the time, and like learning politics by just being with him, has been incredible. Experience for me after 1990 elections, the military did not transfer the power to the winning political parties, including the National League for Democracy, led by Do Aung San Suu Kyi. The history is repeated today. Like today, in those days, they locked up major political leaders, and there were severe form of political repressions. My father was one of the leader among the 18 political leaders come up as a coalition called Committee Representing People Parliament, led by Do Aung San Suu Kyi, the Nobel laureate and the current leader who has been jailed recently by the military. So, due to his political involvement with her and opposition with this opposition's group, he was targeted at that time. It was in 2005. I was 18 years old. He was arrested, and then two months later, the entire family was arrested: my mom, my sister, my brother, and me. And after a two month of close trial within the prison, without having legal counsel or you know access to legal representations and appeal, we were sentenced to 17 years, and my father was sentenced to 47 years. We had to spend almost seven years in the prison, and we were released in 2012 with the political opening at that time in 2011, along with other 623 political prisoner through the presidential amnesty. I'm curious. I understand why the military would target your father. Why did they target the whole family? That is a great question. So they target the whole family because they hated my father more than other politicians because of his identity, being a Rohingya. Although other political activists were targeted, but the target against the Rohingya populations has been there since early 1990s. We believe part of the reason behind putting the entire family in prison was due to our identity, and one of the charge was the Immigration Act. So basically, they were saying that moving from Rakhine State to Yangon within the country, one state to another state, it's violations of law. But there has been no law that prevented. But they were practicing like local directive and orders, which were confidential. And they sent us jail. So part of the charges was that immigration act, and the other charge was the political act, which in those days, 5J, 
the National Security Act. So why did the military focus on the Rohingya? What was there in the, either the historic relationship or the ideology or the ethnicity? I mean, it's something where when Callista was the ambassador to the Vatican, she worked with the Catholic Church in trying to find ways to help the Rohingya. And it clearly was very deep hostility from the, the Myanmar dictatorship. That's another great question. I think a lot of people try to understand when we look at the repressions and persecutions and human rights violations in Myanmar, we also need to understand the psyche, the ideology of the military institution itself. The Burmese institution was born during the independence movement before 1995. In 1942, it appeared out of strong Burmese nationalism to fight against British colony. But then, ever since we've got independence in 1948, the military institutions felt they are entitled to the country and they should be seen as guardians of the nations. But then with this political change, they started to feel losing their power. We have an internal coup in 1958 under this parliamentary democracy and then we have actual coup in 1962 by a general Nguyen, who was part of the independence movement. So since 1962, the military has become more aggressive and their ideology has shifted towards a more Buddhist Burman ideology from the solely like anti-fascist or anti-colonial ideology. So they have to transform as a protector of not only nations, but also Buddhism and but also Burmese majority Burman populations. With this ideology, they created an image among the military individuals and institutions that the nations belong to the Buddhism and the nations belong to the ethnically Burman people group, which is majority group in Myanmar. So basically, very systematically promoted Buddhist nationalist ideology. And with this ideology, they have been using this divide and rules tactics against the ethnic communities and repressions against the ethnic communities at different level for the different communities. They have been implementing this project called Burmanizations, building Buddhist religious building across the country and changing the name of the ethnic cities and villages and all of these things, like basically creating the entire nations as a Buddhist Burmese and eliminating or destroying identity and history of the other ethnic communities. Rohingya has been targeted more than other communities because Rohingya are Muslim. The global Islamophobia also playing there due to our religion as being majority Muslims, felt we are targeted more than others. And one other major reason is that for other ethnic minorities, they can be assimilated to the Burman ethnic nationality because they are similar to Burmese. But for the Rohingya, we're not as similar as others. So it is extremely difficult for us to be assimilated to become Burman or ethnic Burmese. Our language different, our culture different, our religion different, our color different, everything is a bit different than typical Burmese. So I think that is the reason that they're trying to eliminate our people from Myanmar by sending over a million people to Bangladesh by forcefully deporting 
over a million to Bangladesh during the clearance operations in 2016 and 17, which UN actually concluded as its amount to genocide and crimes against humanity. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. So the challenges faced by the Rohingya are also matched up by the challenges faced by other ethnic groups in the country. Are there also traditional Burmese who are Buddhist, but who disagree with the dictatorship? Yeah, of course. So I think when we look back the so-called you know, political transitions from 2010, when the Burmese military was using this nationalist propaganda against the Rohingya, majority Burmese were Burmese people were blinded, and they somehow, you know, supported the idea of ethnic cleansing or the idea of even genocide. There has been people, particularly the ethnic nationality groups, ethnic communities, have been fighting against the military since independence, because they didn't kept the independence promises. We have over 70 years of civil war in all other borders, and in Chinese border, in Thai border, and throughout the country. And at the same time, you know, the people of Myanmar have been fighting for democracy over and over since 1962. The country was 
fooled by the military with false promises of flourishing, disciplined democracy. And now, you know, they stage a coup. During the past 10 years, not only they were fooled by false promises for democracy, but also they were fooled with Buddhist Burman nationalism against the Rohingya in particular. While genocidal campaign was ongoing since 2012 against Rohingya, there were many ethnic Burmese and average people in Myanmar have supported that idea of expelling Rohingya, killing Rohingya. They have been brainwashed and the propaganda was so strong. They didn't realize that they were in a trap and the military will stage the coup, take over the country again. But now I think the society has awakened and this is a chance for us to re-envision our future of, you know, a more inclusive democracy. But, you know, the society may have opened up, but I think as late as March, the military killed over 600 people. So is the military trying to cling to power by using force, or do you see the military gradually negotiating itself out of office? No, not at all. So the military staged a coup on February 1st. It's been over four months now. The people of Myanmar are standing against the military coup in many, many incredible forms. From younger generation, Generation Z, to women, workers, parents, and all generations. We have stopped not a day to fight against the military dictatorship. And the military has used violence attack against the peaceful protesters, killed over 800 people, and arrested almost 5,000 people. And the violence has been continuing. The protest has shifted to many forms until a few weeks ago. It used to be very peaceful and non-violence forms. But now they added more aggressive resistance, uh, violence attack against the military as well. So now it's both non-violence and violence as well as many other forms of resistance, including boycott against the military businesses and the military companies, consumer boycotts the public servants refusing to go to the public offices. So it's been still very, very strong and active, but military continue to use violence against the peaceful protesters, as well as where resistance fightings are ongoing in ethnic areas. They have been using the airstrike against these ethnic communities who have been fighting against them with guns and the weapons and the Military trainings that they have is disproportionate, but yet the military is using these heavy artilleries and weapons as well as airstrike, which is violations of war crimes and targeting civilians, killing young people as young as six. The Rohingya, several hundred thousand were actually forcibly sent out of the country, I think mostly to Bangladesh. Is that situation still a refugee situation with hundreds of thousands of Rohingya living in Bangladesh? So over a million Rohingya in Bangladesh living in very destitute situations in subhuman standard. But there are still many other Rohingya refugees all over the country because the persecutions did not start in 2012. The persecutions against Rohingya, the genocidal policy has introduced since 1990s. And you can even say since 1980s. While they remove our name from the ethnic nationality list from Myanmar, as well as unfair practices of citizenship processes. 
So with this persecution, the Rohingya has been fleeing from the country to escape these persecutions for decades. So we have Rohingya refugees in Malaysia, in India, in Pakistan, in Saudi Arabia, and even in Australia and in New Zealand, all over the world. Two thirds of our populations has been expelled from our land. Now, Romanian Rohingya in Rakhine State over around 600,000 and about 150,000 are in internally displaced person camps for nine years now since 2012. They are living like in apartheid conditions as segregated from the rest of the Rakhine populations with limited access to their basic human needs, including access to healthcare, educations, employment opportunities, and everything else. So that situation's continuing. And Rohingya who travel outside of their camps or villages could be arrested and put in jail for several years. And Rohingya are required to take permissions for every single move that they take. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. you're not a traditional Burmese Buddhist, to what extent are all of those other ethnic groups under pressure? So all other ethnic communities, most of them are Christians, and some are Buddhists as well, but the military intensified the fighting against these ethnic communities lately. And when they have this fighting against them, they basically target the 
entire population, civilian, and rape women, you know, kill people, and the practice of arbitrary arrest and extrajudicial killing has been like daily life experiences of the people in ethnic communities. In addition to limiting their access to humanitarian aids if they become uh, internally displaced person or war refugees, in addition to the ability to access education, healthcare, and other livelihoods, there has been the active practices of arbitrary arrest, killing, forced labor, and many forms of violence against these ethnic communities, including sexual violence. The sexual violence has been used as a weapon of the war against ethnic communities for decades. There are several women's organizations, including Shan Women Action Network, Women League of Burma. They came out with a very substantial report on how the military has used the sexual violence against the women, rape as a weapon of war, for decades, and there were no accountability for their practices. Thus, the military continued to use rape as a weapon against the Rohingya population to terrorize and to destroy entire populations. So there has been thousands of women who have been raped during the clearance operations in 2016 and 17, and they're living witnesses in refugee camps today. Is part of the psychology of using rape as a weapon of war to enforce humiliation on the defeated side? It is. So for the case of Rohingya, it was to humiliate and to terrorize the entire populations because we were not actively fighting against the military and it was not a civil war. Unlike in many other ethnic communities and situations, the motive was very clear that they want to humiliate Rohingya as a group so that they would never return to Myanmar once they are expelled from their land. And, you know, it's not just that rape to humiliate and terrorize, but they actually very aggressively conducted mutilations. They raped, they killed, they tortured, and they killed. And this practice has been done in front of their family members, their whole village, openly. And in some cases, while as they were raping females, they were killing their husband and taking their children and putting them into the fire so that parents were more terrorized before they'd been killed. So it's been very aggressive, very horrific form of violations against fellow humans. So given that level of barbaric behavior and ruthlessness, I mean, you seem like a remarkably balanced, normal person. How did you survive in prison as a very young girl? It must have been a time of constant fear. When we were arrested, I mean, I was a, barely a teenager, so it was extremely hard to understand why we were put in jail. I mean, as a teenager, I was supposed to be going to school, and, and it was extremely difficult to understand and hard to cope with it for a couple of years. But then I decided, you know, I cannot just give up and be sad all the time and cry for the release, and it's not going to happen. So I decided to just change my mind and stay strong, and I feed myself in many, many ways. I try to spend my time, including readings and talking to people, and I realized what happened to us was not our fault. It's actually the military dictatorship who's supposed to be accountable for their act against innocent people like us. 
So I guess that notions and that empowered me, and I was able to stay strong. But when I was released, I was really expecting that we will have democracy and we will be able to contribute to building and democratic nations. But instead, what I realized was in ethnic areas, the persecution has actually intensified in many, many incidences. And in particular, in the case of Rohingya, it's not only that the persecutions or human rights violations has had intensified, but it's actually brought us to a very dark and horrific experiences of this genocide, which remain unaddressed today. I was very closely involved in trying to stop the genocide as well as ending impunity for the military. We've been documenting what happens to the people very closely. Even learning and documenting these processes is not easy because, you know, one incident after one incident, it's, there's no good story at all. And it's extremely difficult to mentally cope with as well. I was privileged to be healthy, to have more freedom than many of those people who have been targeted for many forms of violations, including sexual violence. Since I was released, I went back to school and I was constantly learning to grow myself. So I need to use my knowledge, my experience and my ability to influence, to help others. If we don't do that, who else is going to help? Who else will do this work? And we will be just witnessing while our fellow human beings of communities are being killed or deprived of their human dignity. I felt it's a sense of duty and responsibility for our fellow communities. Regardless of my community or not, I cannot just sit and watch to let this happen and I need to take actions. And that's how I think feeling of privilege and enjoying freedom empowered me further to take actions. I think the evolution of Myanmar may be about to begin. I just have a sense that time is running out. We don't know how long it will be, but we are very committed to win this fight and to really change the country, to bring freedom, democracy, equality and peace in Myanmar. We're going to follow your courageous journey and we're going to link to your organization, the Women's Peace Network. And I look forward, as your journey continues, to maybe doing another interview with you in the future. So I really want to thank you. This has been a very enlightening and at the same time a very humbling conversation. You're a very brave woman and I admire greatly what you're doing. Thank you very much. It's been an honor talking to you too. Thank you to my guest, Wai Nu. You can read more about China and Myanmar on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners at Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.